This podcast discusses difficult topics that may not be appropriate for all listeners. We are not doctors or therapists. None of our content should be construed as medical advice, nor as a substitute for professional help. Names and other specific identifying details are often changed for the privacy and protection of our guests. Our guests' experiences are shared as they experienced them. Opinions may not reflect the opinions of Beck and Ella or this podcast. There will also be adult language used. Lots of it. Listener discretion strongly advised. Hello and welcome back to Narcissist Gaslighters and Shaders. Oh my. I am your host, Beck. And I am your other host, Ella. Hey, Ella. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, we live in the South and it is unseasonably cold down here. So we are preparing for a snowpocalypse to happen. <laughs> we have this this procedure that everyone goes through in the South. If they're calling for snow, you have to immediately go buy bread and milk and toilet paper from the grocery store, whether you need it or not. Um, you may have plenty, but it's like a law. So everybody has to go. Don't forget the eggs. Don't forget the eggs, yeah. All of that's out at the grocery stores and everybody is hunkering down for what might be a long winter's nap or a dusting of snow, we'll see. So I'm very excited about that. I'm actually drinking hot coffee instead of my iced coffee today in honor of the snow coming, getting me all in the mood. Got the fireplace on. I love the mug. <laughs> Thank you. Got the fireplace on. The uh, getting toasty in here. Nice. So, are you guys prepared? Yes. I went to the store. I was at Publix yesterday morning at seven a.m. because uh, Fiona and I had a a very eventful morning. She had a tummy ache. Uh oh. So I had to rush out and get some rice and chicken. But we're good. Good. She's good. But yeah, I was there bright and early, got got my eggs and milk and, and bread. All the things to make French. <laughs> so you don't get arrested for violating the law. Right. The bread, milk, and eggs law. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we will go ahead and get started. We have Stephanie with us today, and Stephanie is a good friend of ours, and she is going to talk about her family. So with that, uh, Stephanie, take it away. Well, I wanted to say that I am from Florida, and when we have hurricanes coming, the first thing that sells out is not bread and milk. It's strawberry Pop-Tarts. They will flood the Walmart it's with yeah. uh, with strawberry Pop-Tarts. So it's the first thing that people get. I don't know why. <laughs> no no milk here, but uh, I got Pop-Tarts. That's really funny. That is very funny. <laughs> don't mess with Florida and their strawberry Pop-Tarts. Yep. Most popular flavor. <laughs> right. Uh, so hi. Hello. Hi. Uh, my name's Stephanie, and I'm going to talk a little bit about my childhood. I am the product of two parents that were sexually assaulted as children. So it's definitely had an impact on my life uh, growing up with them and the way that they raised uh, my sister and I. Uh, but I used to work at a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center when I was younger. And one of the things that I learned about people that start doing heavy drugs is that they say that sometimes their emotional maturity level stops at the moment that they start doing those hard drugs. And yep. I think um, that that happens when people are exposed to something as horrific as sexual assault at a young age as well. Um, so I have often been the parent <laughs> in the relationship with my parents um, because I don't think that they emotionally matured past uh, a lot of the the things that they experienced. My mom was molested from the age of three to 16. Oh. And my father was raped by his babysitter at the age of seven. Mm. It's horrific. Yeah. Yeah. So then they found each other. Yeah, right. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yes, yes. It, it was it was wonderful. Um, <laughs> a lot of trauma to be probably not processing. I would imagine at that time, like right. in the eighties, it wasn't. We didn't have all the words that we have to talk about those types of things and the support systems and the overall societal norm of trauma therapy and absolutely types of things. So they probably didn't have the resources to really work through it together not at all and and during that that time and i'm sure just like it is today you know that that kind of stuff was you know put under the rug <laughs> swept under the rug yes trip over it all the time yeah <laughs> 
you just, you know, don't get too close to this uncle at the Christmas party. And, you know, you're, you don't get alone in a room with them and stuff like that. And so there was a lot of like blindness kind of in, in that arena with, with their family and, and how to help each other heal. So uh, both of my parents, uh, of course, had a very unhealthy relationship with sex. Um, and then they also had very, very terrible childhood. So even to this day, when I try to talk to them about some of the, the things that I experienced in my childhood, they're like, it was better than mine. <laughs> um, what's such a boomer thing to say? <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, we had to walk a mile in the snow, you know? Uh, right, right, right. It wasn't quite as bad as mine. Right, right. It's so funny that, and I, I don't mean to lump every boomer together, but right. the ones that have that type of personality, you'll see someone post like on Facebook, man, I overcooked my steak today. And then like enter boomer that's like, we didn't have any steak in Nam. <laughs> it's like, that's not what that's right about. <laughs> Nothing to do <laughs> Finding a way to like make it all about mm-hmm. what it's like. Other people are allowed to have pain and yeah. difficult things too you don't have a monopoly on right. trauma it's not a kind <laughs> it, it's it's wild my um my parents so i'm gonna kind of start with what their childhood was like so that you can kind of get an understanding of yeah. who they became um as adults um but uh my dad his mom moved away and left him with his father and he had a stepmom she absolutely hated my dad, hated him so much. He had to live in a dog shed in the backyard. Now it was Florida, but he lived in the dog shed, cuddled up with all the hunting dogs. And in the event that he would try to sneak into the house, she would put locks on the refrigerators and the pantries that he didn't have access to. Now, as far as I understand, the rest of the, the children did have access to that. It was just my dad that was kind of excluded. We would go to visit my grandpa. Um, he had a farm in North Florida and we'd go to visit him and as we would walk around the house, anything that we would touch, she would immediately Lysol. But only us, my sister and I, <laughs> the only grandkids, she would immediately clean anything that we were touched. We were un, unclean in her eyes. So it was a very interesting childhood. My grandfather was really, really great to us, but never really like stuck up for us with her. So that'll be a theme for today's story, let me tell you. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> So my mom lived in a household that was essentially a thruple um, back before they became popular, I guess, you know, growing up in the 60s. Um, I don't know if it was as back before Polly was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they called it free love. Right. <laughs> uh, so my grandmother lived with her husband and her boyfriend. Hey, don't knock it until you try it. <laughs> <laughs> I myself did that one. <laughs> you all remember? Yes. <laughs> her her husband was was really cruel. He was abusive. He once took my mom's kitten and put it on top of a grill in the backyard and set it on fire and made my mom watch. So like very very psychotic. Oh my. Very very terrible. Um. So when I talk to my mom about my my childhood trauma, she's like, "You never had to watch your kitten burn." I'm like, "Yeah, I didn't." You're right. Oh my God. That's not the standard. Right. That's not normal. No. That's not the bar we're reaching for. That bar is yeah. very low. Yes. So low. It's on the floor. Yeah. Right. Ugh. Awful. But then there was her stepfather, and he molested and raped my mom from the age of three to 16, but he brainwashed her. To this day, if you ask my mom who loves her, she will tell you that the only person that's ever loved her was him. Oh, wow. Wow. So it made it really hard as like a child to really invest and provide a lot of love to someone that said that no one would ever love her like he did. Mm -hmm. And when you know, like that's traumatic and terrible and that wasn't love and it was abuse and it was brainwashing and there's never anything that you can say or do that will supersede um, what happened there. So my mom and I don't have the best relationships. That's like, I'm trying to wrap my brain around like, I'm very sad that she feels that way, but also, like, is that less terrible than accepting the reality of that biggest fear in your life was actually a monster? Right, right. I don't know, you know? That's really horrible all around. It really was. Like, she, in her mind, thought what he did was love and that he would never do it to anyone else. So she would routinely send us to his house for the weekend. He lived hours away. He would pick us up 
drive us to his house and we would stay the night. I don't think anything ever happened to me, but I didn't look like my mom. I look like my dad. I was dark haired, uh, darker complected. My sister is very fair, blue eyes, blonde, just like my mom. And I don't know if like anything ever happened to her. And in and, and my mom's mind, like it would never, he would never touch her because he only loved my mom. Wow. I have a cousin that they say he, he molested as well. And my mom's like, absolutely not. He wouldn't. He wouldn't touch her because he only loved me. And my mom has hated this cousin for my entire life. Like she hates her with a passion because how dare she say that that happened to her? Like he would never do that. And he absolutely did. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's pretty wild. So sad. I have uh, a Fantasia. So I don't have a whole lot of memories of my childhood. Like you tell me to think of an image. Everything is black. There's nothing that I can remember if I close my eyes I can't remember things that happened. I have like 10 memories from my childhood that stick out. Um, so a lot of the times when my mom talks about like how good my childhood was, I don't remember those times. <laughs> right. But I do remember the things that stick out. So we'll talk about some of those today. My parents met uh, in a fast food drive through and they got married two weeks later. What <laughs> <laughs> could possibly Right, right. Uh, <laughs> They were they were married uh, dysfunctionally for about uh, thirty years. Um, oh wow, they were together that long. That long. My mom is very very codependent, and mm-hmm. um, I think losing her access to her stepfather, uh, my dad kind of stepped into that role. Right. And he was very manipulative, uh, especially when it came to like his sexual needs and all of that. And so I think that it was very easy for my mom to just kind of dive into that and not feel that anything was was inappropriate or wrong or anything like that. Right. Um, I used to like beg, beg for them to get divorced when I was little, like <laughs> just sit in my room, like, please. Please get divorced. That's a really good note for like other people that are in not great situations that like stay together for the kids thing. I don't know a single child that is an adult now, like any of my friends that had parents who stayed married or divorced, like and then divorced when they were grown, ever thought, you know, I'm so glad that my parents stayed together until I was out of high school. Right. 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 You know, all of them were like, my life would have been so much better if they would have got the fuck away from each other when I was little and just like went and mm-hmm. went to be happy other places. Nope. Your kids know. Kids know way more than you think they do. They pick up on it. 100%. They know you're unhappy. They know the other person's unhappy and you're setting a tone for what relationships they will have should look like. Yes. Right. They will recognize that as normal mm-hmm. um, until they don't. But right. don't stay together for the kids if you're in an unhappy or unhealthy situation. Absolutely. Not. That's my PSA for the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great one. And and it was it was something that, that I considered, too, when I was going through my divorce, I wanted um, my son to experience two parents living in the same household. My ex-husband didn't have that growing up. And so I wanted to be able to provide that. But I also knew that the moment that the trust was gone, that it was not going to be a positive experience for my child. And right. having, you know, split custody allows me to provide him the life that I want him to have when he's here with me. And uh, that it's so much better than what he would have experienced if we stayed together just to stay together. Right. For sure. Mm-hmm. My, my dad always used to say, uh, I'm staying with your mom because if we get divorced, she's just going to have some guy over here that's going to diddle you like her dad did. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> that was my dad's way of like being altruistic. Like I'm staying with her so that you aren't a victim. Wow. <laughs> As a kid, you're like, thank you. <laughs> it's not funny. It, no, it, it's not funny. I don't mean to be laughing. It's really like shocking that like an adult would think this is the best thing I could say to my kid about yeah, that relationship. Right. This will make her have a very healthy picture. Right. <laughs> but also remember, he's not very emotionally intelligent. Yeah. Nor does he have the language. Right. He's stuck. Yes. Right. Yes. My mom says that their relationship was very physical um, before I have actual memories of it. When I was old enough to remember things, I don't ever remember him like hitting my mom or anything like that. Um, but uh, she did tell a story that one time, Uh, She was pregnant with my sister. We are, um, I think the term is like Irish twins, right? We're 13 months apart. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, (laughs) 
my uh she was pregnant with me and I was a very very young baby and my dad had started communicating with an ex-lover and my mom found out about it and he held a gun in her mouth and told her that he was going to kill her and that his his lover was going to raise me as her own daughter so my mom yeah my mom like flies to Canada she gets away she goes to to live with a family member who is one of one of the uncles that the family knows molest children um so again thrown into the lion's den um with people because they're not going to do that right um mm-hmm. and uh she stays there for a couple of weeks misses my dad decides to to come home so very very codependent and comes back and uh lives with him for you know another another 30 years so i don't remember much of my childhood i do remember one time i had an aunt that uh took my sister and i aside um at an event and she's like I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to get you out of your t- terrible childhood, and we're going to adopt you, me, me and her, her husband. And uh, my sister and I were so excited. <laughs> we go home and tell my parents. <laughs> I'm so sad. It's going to adopt us. You're never going to believe this wonderful news. <laughs> we were trailer park babies, you know, and, and my aunt had a, had a nice right. house, and she was Susie Homemaker. We're like, I won the gold. <laughs> <laughs> around like like Charlie, you know. <laughs> My parents are going to be so happy for us. They can't wait to tell them. They weren't. <laughs> right. Spoiler alert: They were not happy for them. They were not. It, it created a fun, fun um, family rift. My dad was really, really smart. He has uh, several patents in his name. He can think outside the box and find solutions for problems that you wouldn't even think about. Um, he was always the one that helped me with schoolwork. Um, My mom dropped out of high school and school was never her forte as it is. So uh, he was always the one, he would like quiz me in mathematics. Like when I was in high school, I'd come down the stairs and he'd be like, what's 356 multiplied by 124? And he would teach me all these math tricks to do it in my head. And he would count down the seconds um, until I was able to uh, provide uh, those answers to him. But, he he helped me create like this dinosaur diorama. He put like aluminum foil in a box and he like melted some candles. We made a whole river, I had some little white caps with some some white uh, candles that we melted. Uh, I remember those things like growing up with my dad and I don't remember a whole bunch of the horrible things. And I think because I was so school orientated that those moments like stick out of my mind that he valued that that I was smart and he valued helping me with those with those projects yeah he's my biological dad and I never heard him say I love you until I turned 16 it's the first time I ever heard it wow and uh the only reason he said it is my mom found a journal uh and of course like I was um very depressive (laughs) as a young teen and um, I I wrote over and over again that I didn't want to be alive anymore. And she found it Ooh. and she called my dad and he left work, uh, came to the school, sobbing, crying uncontrollably, like checks me out of school. And uh, he hugged me. It wasn't like the like pat on your back. OK, go to bed. It was like a full on like full body hug. To this day, my mom always says, like, I don't really give hugs like she wants a full body hug. And I just. I can't give it because I, I don't think that I got it often enough as a child. Um, I do give it to my son. Like we hug several times a day, but like with her, she craves it and I just can't give it to her most of the time. So, but, uh, he took me to Chick-fil-A. I know, I know we're supposed to not like Chick-fil-A, but (laughs) we don't like eat chicken on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, but he took me there. It was my first time going there. And he took me um, to the restaurant and we sat there and we had like a whole father daughter day. And like to this day, like every time I eat Chick-fil-A, I remember that moment. It just like flashes in my head for like a second. Like remember when you had Chick-fil-A with your dad? The only time ever. Um, but it always like plays in my head. So for you, it's love chicken. <laughs> right. mm. not, not hate chicken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't continue to express those things after that? No. Um, the mm. The only other time that he was the dad that I wanted uh, was when I moved to Missouri to help him out with their uh, their business. They ran a bar, and 
he realized that I had 401k money and he needed it. So he manipulated me into getting that money. And uh, he would like, he would be the dad I wanted. He would like, you know, take me out and, and we would like even just buying stuff for the bar, but like we would have conversations day in and day out. And um, then uh, when I took out the money, I was like, look, I don't want you to pay anything over the loan. I'm getting hit with like taxes for taking it out. Just pay back the taxes, just make it good. So I have my retirement money back. After he got the money, he, uh, I was like, I saw him starting spending the money frivolously on like drugs and other things. And I said, Hey, can we work out that payment plan? And, uh, he said, I raised you for 18 years. That's your payment. So I didn't get it back. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) Wow. And by raise you, I'm using that term very lightly. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's terrible. I can't imagine yeah. doing anything to my child that would set them up negatively for the future. Right. I mean, we all fuck up in our parenting, but I mean, like something as egregious as stealing their retirement money. Like I just yeah can't imagine. It's messed up. It was it was it was wild. Um. So he he used it to build build a guitar shaped stage in the back of his bar that had lighted strings that would light up to the music. Um. But he never cleared it with the neighbors for him to have bands out there. So anytime he had a band, they called the cops and they shut down the bar for the night. So, um, he ended up losing the bar uh, in no time. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting. Good times. <laughs> Uh, my mom, she she struggles because I have a lot of memories like that with my dad that I can speak to, but I can't ever speak to a lot of memories with her. And that's hurtful for her that I don't remember um, a lot of the things that, that happened. She, she's always like, I was a good mom. I'm like, uh-huh, but I don't remember any of it. And so that makes it really, really hard for her. I think it leads to some of the animosity that we still have to this day because I, I pride myself on being a really, really good parent. And she'll comment on how I'm a good parent now. And then she'll be like, I was a good mom like you. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and she's like, but I was. <laughs> you do live with her though, right? I do, yeah. So you, you see her interpersonal skills and her patience and her vibe and yeah it's a lot different than yours very very my mom is is very prone to telling stories and i i think that it's that emotional maturity level right like you see a little kid like steal a cookie and you're like did you eat that cookie and they're like no but they've got it all over their face that's right you're like i know you ate the cookie um my mom will tell stories like that and and i'm like we don't we don't tell lies in this household like we're very open if I have an issue with my son I talk to him about it if he has an issue with me he talks to me about it her entire my guess is her entire um coping mechanism is denials to rewrite yeah the history you know like my stepfather loved me because I can't accept that he was a monster and it's like I don't want to confront that I maybe wasn't a great parent so I'm just going to rewrite that in my mind mm-hmm. and you ever like tell a lie so much that you believe it right I've been saying I'm five five for so long <laughs> it's even on my driver's license like that I'm five five because I've told that lie for so long that it immediately comes out of my mouth without even thinking about it and then I'm like well maybe I should have that incorrect on my driver's license right. you know what I mean like if you if you tell a lie over and over again, like eventually you forget what the truth uh, what the truth is. It's so funny. I am actually five five for anyone listening. It's real. Because uh-uh. <laughs> I used to do the same thing. I did the same thing. Yeah. And then somebody proved it to me. Right. And I was like, Yeah, no, we're both five three. <laughs> This is if you want to know. Not according to a government document I have in my possession that says we're wrong. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that, you know, like hers may be bigger, but like yeah. that's her coping mechanism. She doesn't have any other tools in her toolbox to be okay with yeah. today. Right. You know, that's the one. That totally makes sense. It puts it into so much perspective for me now. And then comparison, right? I'm better than my mom. Right. You know, I did more to protect you than my mom did. Right. And so 
uh, I think a lot of the the struggles that I have with her too is just the the lack of protection. Like my sister was very, very physically violent. Um, she would punch my parents. She would beat me up all the time. Uh, she would have her friends come over and beat me up. She would dent her car um, that my parents paid for and, you know, all this stuff. And uh, I could never resort to physical violence. And so uh, my dad one time uh, went in there to like, like hit her and she punched the hell out of him. And so she pushes him out of the room and she locks the door and I'm sitting there in my room, like what is happening? Right. And uh, so he comes in there and he throws me on my bed and he chokes me because he is mad at her Mm. and he can't get to her. He would try to throw me down the stairs and my mom would sit there watching. And I was like, why didn't you intervene? And she's like, why didn't you intervene with my sister when she was hitting me? And she'd be like, I just, I would always tell you if you would just knock back and hit her once, like she would leave you alone. I'm like, but that's not me. Right. I can't fight. Right. That can't be the only solution. Right. So I'm only five, five. I can't, I reach her. <laughs> right. Five, three. Uh, oh, well, we're all five, three. Five, three, Clara. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I would resort with verbal abuse. And that is something I learned very, very early on. And I learned to be extremely cruel with it. Like, I try to be a very, very nice person now. And you're the nicest person I know. Like, legit. <laughs> I'm not just saying that. You're so fucking sweet. <laughs> oh, but there is a mean, mean part of me. And you need to throw it in there. Oh, it's so mean. And like, when she comes out, where's the burn button? <laughs> uh, like, I became really, really good at like, you know, there's like parts in your brain. I don't know if everyone has this, but there's like parts in your brain that you like sit and think about and you're like, gosh, that kind of makes me a really shitty person. I am really adept at pulling those out and bringing them to the light of day, painting a picture with it, with words. And um, there was many, many, many times that I would say things to people and I would fully expect them to take their life for the things that I said. It was beyond just anger. Like it was cruel. When I got divorced, my friend, uh, I was in a Kroger parking lot talking to her on the phone and she said, you have to lose that part of yourself now that you're divorced and you're going to be living with your son. Most of the time she was like, you can't let that be a part of who you are anymore. And you've got to do everything you can to bury it because there's not going to be his dad there to like, step in or anything like that. Now, my son was young. He was three and I had never like done any of that with him, but she knew like how close it was to the surface and how it could go if it was unchecked. And so I've really, really worked on losing that part of myself and not letting it be the forefront when I get angry. So that's a great thing. Yeah. So she was beneficial. Yeah. And, and helping me not continue the cycle okay. because it can be very, very easy. Absolutely. Now I get why sometimes when I'm like, just tell them to fuck off. <laughs> like, no, I'm going to be the nicest person. <laughs> going to change their day. <laughs> yeah. So probably like I said, you're like, it's a slippery slope for me. I don't want to like start. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Just knowing you like externally that that's why you always resort to like kind words, even when people don't deserve it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it is great. It's a wonderful quality. It's so hard sometimes. It takes a very strong person to look at that and take into consideration what that friend was pointing out to you and recognize and take accountability. Yeah. And then be mindful of it every single day. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it is. I, I'm so fucking proud of you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I, I've tried to have him grow up in a childhood where there isn't yelling and like throwing of things. And occasionally there will be slips, right? Like he's a teenager. <laughs> but I, I try to be very cognizant of of what I'm saying and I try not to say when he talks about how terrible his childhood is right like I don't say 
uh, you should have seen mine. You know, I, I take in what he says and, and we, we work towards adapting that and, and correcting that behavior. One time my sister got really, really mad at me and she was yelling and screaming. Uh, he was like 18 months old and he was crying. And I was like, stop, stop, stop screaming. Like, I don't yell in the household. Like he's not used to this. And she's like, that's why you're going to be a terrible mom. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No. Right. But, but my sister and I have two different views of our childhood. She doesn't think that it was terrible. We were pitted against each other. Right. She was the pretty skinny one, and I was the ugly fat one that was smart. So all I had going for me was was being intelligent. And so that was, you know, something I would tell her, well, <laughs> I can lose weight. Now I was a size three, right? Like she was a zero. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> so really, really unhealthy uh beauty standard can we just say you are not ugly thank you <laughs> not at all not ugly <laughs> it was always like she is the gorgeous one you're like the girl next door mm -hmm. yeah you're beautiful thank you and sparkly <laughs> and very sparkly <laughs> <laughs> she and i were pitted against each other so much that it became how we addressed each other you're the dumb one. Right. My sister was really smart, but I never told her she was smart. And I told her she was dumb because she wasn't as smart as I was. And it was a way that the family and my parents categorized us. And so right. I, I like hope one day she realizes that she was smart and that like maybe like I'll be able like we're working on our relationship right now. But, like maybe one day I'll be able to tell her. Uh, I agree with that. I have a friend whose parents... She has three sisters, and her mom has always referred to them and still does to this day as the smart one, the pretty one, and the funny one. Oh, no. I mean, still to this day. That's still how <sighs> she refers to all three of them and, like, can't see the anything wrong with that has caused right. between the three of them, between how they feel about themselves and how they approach the world. And yeah. she said it the other day in front of my friend's grandson. She has, a, like, a little, like, two-year-old grandson who's very very smart and he said i not know why she call you that you not know lots of things she's a smart one <laughs> she's like i know a lot of things and he said you don't know life cycle of b <laughs> yeah i don't think like parents realize when they box you into like a thing yeah and she is very very smart um but like how it became so much of her identity right and then not feeling good about the other things right you know like her sisters are the same way right i'm just pretty so i can't be smart or i'm just funny so i can't be pretty or smart right you know it's just words are so important right it, it is and and when people say really nice things or you know people hit on me like i don't believe it because all my life i wasn't the pretty one i wasn't the skinny one it's created this whole like right process of like dealing with weight and trying to figure out like what version of me is the best one for myself mentally and stuff and um it's it's always been been difficult and we've always had such animosity and hatred towards each other we never really got to experience or help each other through the things that we experienced because we were pitted against each other right my mom tries to do that with my son she'll go pick him up from his dad and then she'll start talking about me and uh, she'll try to get him to agree with her. And then when she gets home, he'll immediately come, give me a hug, tell me he loves me. And then he'll talk to me about their conversation. And then later when he's not in the room, my mom will be like, oh, you should hear the things that he said about you. Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, I've already heard them. I know. And it's OK. He doesn't have to be happy with how I parent him all the time. I'm not his friend. I'm going to make decisions and he's not going to like them and that's okay, but we can talk through it and we can make concessions as needed. And so uh, it, a lot of times it almost feels like it's sometimes us against her because we see the the pitting that she's trying to do. And she she's continued to do that with my sister and I just until this year. Uh, or last year, 2023, we finally came to an agreement to not hate each other with immense hatred. Every time my mom would talk to, to me about my sister, she would tell me these terrible things that would just make me get fired up. Uh, she she told me my sister kicked her out because she didn't fit the weight aesthetic of their home. Mm -hmm. That uh, she was going to, my mom's like, I can't find an apartment that'll take my dogs. And she's like, that's okay. We'll just put them to sleep. And so I had this immense 
like hatred for my sister. Like, how can you do that to your mom? And how can you kick someone out because they don't fit the weight aesthetic of your home? They're not fit. And so my mom would talk to her on the phone and I would just hear my sister talk in the background and I would just see them in the background and I would just say all these little snide remarks that my sister couldn't hear, you know? And uh, my mom would get off the phone with her and then I would talk like, I don't, be- I can't believe that you communicate with her and, and all this stuff. And it got to a point that I was, filled with such anger and it would ruin my day when my mom would talk to her that I reached out to my sister and I said, we need to have a conversation because I can't keep living in this household and having my days ruined by being so angry at the things that uh, just you talking to her and um, come to find out my sister said those things never happened. Right. She kicked my mom out because, or she told my mom that she'd have to find her a new place because her dogs were not potty trained and they were ruining the floors on her new home. And uh, lo and behold, same thing happens here. What? Your dogs still are potty trained? They're still ruining my floors on the daily? What? So that's a little different than you're too fat for my house and you should put your dogs down. Yeah. <laughs> And so I found that my mom was calling my sister and telling her terrible things about living here too. And so my sister had this animosity. And when someone in the family would post something on Facebook, she'd be like, well, you know, I'm not the crazy sister, um, you know? And, and I'm like, where are you getting this from? Like, where, why are you so angry at me? <laughs> and so it, it was from the stories that she was hearing from my mom. It was and so uh, my sister and I made a pact that going forward, if my mom starts to talk about the other one, we stop her. I don't want to hear your version of her life. She wants me to know it. She's going to reach out to me and, and the same. And so I'm constantly having to stop her from telling me um, what's going on in my sister's life. That's great. Are you having a relationship with your sister now? Is it at that point yet? Not yet. Um, my, my my mom did tell me that my sister wanted to reach out to me. Um, she's experiencing sexual harassment at her job, and it's something that I have dealt with in the past. And so she said uh, she wants to reach out to you, wanted to know if it was okay. And I said yes, but I don't know if my mom has given her that message yet. Um, so I was going to reach out to her and be like, hey, let's talk about it. Let's talk about your options and and how this is going to pan out for you um, if you bring this forth. So we're not, we'll never be at the point that I'll be like, she's my sister <laughs> or I love her. Right. Um, right now it's, it's just like a ceasefire. We're surviving. Yeah. 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 We exist. And, uh, and, and it's kind of at that point, I don't know if it'll ever, I think there's too much emotional fire against each other. Like, I don't, that's not the right word, but too much ammunition against each other right. growing up. I, I told her in that conversation, I said, we were pitted against each other. We never got the chance to bond and be sisters and, and be us against the world. And in her mind, she doesn't see it. She's like, I don't think we were pitted against each other. I don't think that we had a terrible childhood. She's like, I think I'm a great mom because of what we went through. And, and I'm, I'm on the other side. I'm like, it could have been better. <laughs> right it could have been healthy it was not ideal right so there's still some gaps there but i'm i'm glad to know there is like a yeah truth of some sort because yeah it's been a lot for you it, it and it, it's really hard for me too like she doesn't see what happened like she was she was the pretty one and i wanted nothing more than to be the pretty skinny one all my life i was like oh my god if i just put down these reese's i can be like her right it doesn't happen. I'm like Mindy Kaling. Like I have Reese seasonal shapes from October to like Easter, right? So how we judge time in this household. Uh, so we didn't. <laughs> but well, you should. Life is too short to not eat Reese's. Mm-hmm. Right. They're so delicious. <laughs> oh my god, so good, so good. Um, the moment she turned 16, my father decided that she, my sister, wanted to be a model, and so my dad altruistic as he was he was he was learning how to be a videographer and so um he was like okay I'm going to be your photographer so that people in the industry don't take advantage of you right altruistic um so she's 16 years old he takes photos of her and lingerie and bathing suits right and my sister is so excited about how her photos turn out she goes to school and she shows people and they're like that's not appropriate for a father. Your father took these photos. That's not appropriate. So they start rumors that she was touched and like all these other things. So um, my sister tries to take her own life. She takes a whole 
bottle of, of pills. And uh, my dad did not treat her the way that he treated me when he thought I was going to take my own life. Uh, he or she is called an ambulance. He's like, I'm not going to pay that bill. She'll just figure it out. My sister, uh, in addition to that, he creates a website. My dad has always had these get rich quick schemes and uh, it's been a big part of my childhood, all these failed businesses that he created. I own my own business now and I try to be very conservative with how I expand and grow because I don't want to do anything like he's done. Um, but, uh, one of his great ideas was to create a website where he would auction her off for a date on New Year's Eve, the year that she turned 18. Oh my God. Yeah. Like a geisha. Yes. Wow. Oh my God. And so my sister shares this website with the school too. Like that also led to the rumors and stuff. So it, it was a big thing for her. And so she drops out, she tries to take her own life and, and, uh, my dad, of course, never was going to set her up with a date with any of these guys. He deleted the website before she turned 18. He just kept all the money uh, from the the people that had submitted, you know, to, to purchase a date with her. And I think now, like, where was the FBI? Like, right. Scouting the internet in the early days or stuff like that. Like, right. It's terrible. It was a wild, wild one. There was, like, five websites at that time, too. Like, you can't monitor. You can figure it out. Um, he wasn't a website master. Like, it wasn't a well done. It wasn't on the dark net. Right. Right. Yeah. So so we definitely have different views of, like, how things went. She doesn't think that, that anything was terrible and that she grew from that. I just, I look at it, I'm like, huh? <laughs> what do you mean? It's <laughs> not normal. I couldn't imagine doing anything like that. Well, maybe that's part of her coping, too, of, like, telling herself it wasn't that bad. Denial. Yeah. Denial is a hell of a drug. Yeah. Not, it's not a river. Right. right. <laughs> not just a river in Egypt, they say. <laughs> she, she also had, in addition to being pitted against each other, we were financially pitted against each other as well. So my parents paid for everything for her. They paid for her cars. They The moment... I got a job uh, making five fifteen an hour, right? Woohoo! Um, I had to pay five hundred dollars of our seven hundred dollar mortgage. Um, I had to pay for my food, and I had to pay for my room. I had to pay for my car. I had to pay for my insurance and my cell phone bill. My sister never had to pay any of those. My parents bought her cars outright. She wouldn't pay the payments. They would just take over the payments. It was no big deal. They, once I got a job, they stopped paying for my lunches at school. They paid for her. She would get $5 a day. She never had to eat the school lunch. Um, we didn't make enough to qualify for free lunch, so I couldn't utilize that. And so uh, I would go to her and I'd be like, hey, I'm like, I'm really hungry. Can I just have 50 cents so I can get a cookie? And her and her friends would make fun of me for like being poor. What? <laughs> and so... <laughs> well, no wonder she has a different perspective. She's like, my childhood was wonderful. What are you talking about? Well, no freaking wonder. When I, when I talk about it with my mom, she's like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that happened. I didn't give her $5 a day. She was stealing from us. She was stealing out of our coin jar. You should have just done that. And I'm like, what? not a thief. It's also a very clever story. The school lunch was like $1.25. A likely story. Yeah, <laughs> it it definitely makes sense why we just have different different views. Yeah, my, my parents one time uh, there was an event that was so bad, like I had to move out, and I was I was told to sweep the floor. I had a friend that was going to pick up my sister and I and take us to the club, and I did not get to sweep the floor. He came earlier than expected. Right, I am terrible with time as it is. But, uh, you know, I'm like, I have plenty of time to get that done. And then I'm late to every event in my life. But uh, he came a little earlier than expected. So I was like, it's fine. I'll just sweep when we get home. Not a big deal. It's not like the floor was covered and like mud or anything. It was just a little bit of dirt. It'll be fine. My dad uh, took great offense at that. Um, while I'm in the club, he's calling me nonstop, get home, get home. And I'm like, I can't, I didn't drive. He's not ready to leave yet. And then he started calling me and hurting my dog. And I could hear her yiping in the background. And he's like, get home, get home. I'm going to kill her. And so I do the only logical thing, right? Like I like have a breakdown in the middle of the club, right? in the middle of the dance floor crying. Um, my friend's like, oh, that doesn't do weird. Let me get you home. So, uh, so he takes us home and uh, it's December. We are dressed for club clothes. Like this is 
Florida, so it's still pretty warm. So we are dressed pretty scandalously. And uh, my dad is out there waiting for us to get home with a hose, spraying us. <laughs> so I take my sister and I'm like, let's walk to the payphone. So I guess my cell phone had died at that point. So because he had called it so often. So I was like, let's walk a couple miles through the neighborhood to, um, to get to this gas station. We'll call my friend and he'll pick us up. So we lived in a bad area of town. It was called like Prime Hills or Pine Kills because it was so dangerous. And so you've got uh, two young females walking these streets late at night, dressed um, in very revealing clothing. Go to club. Yeah. And now it's soaking wet. Mm. Right, right. And so uh, we get stopped several times by guys offering us rides. I'm like, no, no, no. We've called the cops. They're on their way. You know, um, we get there. I try to call my friends and, uh, just like today, if you ask me to tell you any of my friend's numbers, I can't remember his number. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember his phone number right. now uh, and telephones. So that was pointless. So we we walk back home and um, my dad is now asleep. He has surgery the next morning, right? So this is all like really, really normal behavior before you're having a major surgery. But uh, he's asleep. So I have an old car. My sister's first car, they bought her like a brand new uh, Eclipse. My first car, they bought me a Nissan, 1986 Nissan Pulsar, right? <laughs> so it was awesome. It was stick shift. I learned how to drive it um, unsuccessfully. I drove it three times. It broke down. My grandpa, later on, he takes it. He fixes it up. He's like, I'm going to fix it up and give you the money. No, my parents keep the money. I was like, that was my Christmas gift. And now I have nothing. 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 Uh, but the car is broken down in the driveway. So uh, we decide to, like, we break into it. I, I think maybe, like, one of the doors was left unlocked. So we get into it, and we sleep in the trunk. The two of us huddled together for warmth. My uh, dad leaves in the morning. We uh, break into the house through the garage, and I go through the house trying to find my dog, and I can't find her. I check every room, the garage, like, outside. She's not there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I hear her barking, and she was in a crate inside his bathtub behind the shower curtain. So he wanted you to think she was yes. dead or something. Yes. Right. Oh, my God. So in addition to that, my car was gone. My dad, when he would get mad at me, he would often, like, flatten the tires. He would take off the the um, caps, and then he would flatten them. And so uh, another thing that he would often do is he would call roadside and have my car picked up. There's a car in my driveway. I don't, I don't recognize who it is, and he would have it towed to the shop or whatever. So uh, he's in surgery. I call my mom. I'm like, where's my car? I need to get my car. She tells me where it is. I take a taxi. Uber didn't exist then, so I take a taxi. I get my car, and I get my dog and my sister, and we move to Tampa. I go to live with my best friends. I commute two hours every day to Orlando for my job and uh, until I can get an apartment. We do that for two weeks. Uh, I get an apartment with my sister and uh, we're living together for a little bit. Then my parents convince her to move home. Like, how did they convince her to move home? They start buying her things, convincing her, like, listen, you don't have to be poor if you move back in with us. So um, so she does. So she leaves me with this apartment, two bedrooms that I can't afford on my own. <laughs> so um, I end up having someone take over the lease and uh, move back home again anyway. Um, until my parents sell the house. They ended up selling the house without letting us know. Hey. So uh, then we had to, <laughs> we had to, to move out. Um, it was It was great. My dad uh, just reached out to me a little bit before Christmas. He wanted to talk politics. Mm. And I was like, I have no interest in talking about this with you. No. But you hadn't talked to him in how long? Three years. And he called and said, let's get into a heated political discussion. Yeah. After three years. Times. Yeah. Mm. It, it's wonderful. Uh, so so the last time we spoke, we he lives with my grandmother and I went to go visit her. She's got Alzheimer's and I was trying to spend some time with her. She also, uh, we were going to go to Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando. And so she wanted to watch my son. This was before she got really bad in Alzheimer's, but she wanted to watch my son uh, while I went to that event with my friends. And I was like, cool, I'd love to see his great grandmother. It'd be great. Get into an argument with my dad about politics and it's is so manipulative. I'm there at, at Universal and I didn't even get to go into one haunted house where he's calling me and he's like, I'm going to tell your your ex-husband's family that you're driving drunk to pick up your kid. Mm, right. I'm going to tell your job you're taking kickbacks. Uh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and all of those things, like, obviously, like, I don't, like, I drink one time a year, never with my kid around me. 
occasionally, like, I mean, I'll drink with friends, never to the point of excess. Um, I'm usually pretty careful about that. So, uh, and I drank water. <laughs> That's all I'd had at, at, at the, the park. So I, I tell my friend, I'm like, I'm so sorry. We can't, we can't be here. I have to go home. Um, I just don't feel comfortable leaving my son there. So we get him. And that was the last contact that I had with my father. So until recently. And so he reaches out after three years with the same politics. And I was like, I don't understand why you can't reach out and be like, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? How's your son? Okay. Um, so then he said, how's your son? <laughs> I think you're missing the point. <laughs> yeah. So we, we ended up talking for about three hours and I was able to, to have some conversations with him, teaching him a little bit of things about like what's going on in the world where I think he realized that we're not against each other, that everything sucks yeah. <laughs> right now, <laughs> politically, economically, financially, everything is terrible. That both major parties are two cheeks on the same ass and it really doesn't even matter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting souls down the river by each of them, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we were able to kind of talk about like what was going on in our life. I was able to talk about my business. He was able to show me some of the things that he's creating. He's always been very creative artistically. So that's where you get that? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. My mom can't draw anything to save her life. My dad is quite the artist. Um, some of the the things that I, like he did have a stint in, in jail and uh, some of the things that he would send me, he would send me letters and he would draw on them. And I've kept those um, just as a, like a memento. Uh, when he was in jail, uh, again, he was the, the father that I wanted. Uh, of course, I was putting money on his commissary and uh, I was taking care of all of his finances and his business and, you know, all of that. He would take the money I would give him for commissary and he would give it to other inmates <laughs> and I'd be like this is just like when I paid the mortgage when I was in high school he would he would take it and spend it on drugs so imagine how much commissary you could buy with a guitar-shaped stage right <laughs> right too bad you don't have that anymore I'd be like I had to they were gonna they were gonna beat my ass and I'm like let them beat your act I'm taking money away from my kid <laughs> right yeah take the ass whooping old man right You'll, you'll have your own room for a bit. And you don't have to answer this if you don't think you should, but what caused your parents to finally split after 30 years? I don't, I don't really know. I, I think, so, so they, they got into swinging. It was, it was the way that my dad told my mom that she had to stay with him. And so my mom dealt with a lot of girlfriends. He, one time he, he started dating this girl, Brenda. He told my mom that uh, he met her. She was walking down the, the side of the street. Uh, she was a prostitute and he picked her up and he fell in love with her and uh, he was dating her and that she had uh, HIV AIDS, one of them, and that uh, he was going to be with her. And my mom didn't want to let him go. So, so I was like, you got to get tested. You got, you can't, you can't be with him, right? Like he's putting your life at risk. And um, she didn't want to. Um, I would come home, find her with a gun in her mouth, and I'd be like, look, I make enough money. We can get our own place. We can live without him. And she'd be like, no, I can't. I can't live without him. And that was also hard as, as like, the child and the parents of your parents to be like, right. I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough to save you. Right. Like, you want that, and it's so terrible. The whole story with Brenda was was all false. She didn't have any of the things that he said that she did. Um he ends up breaking up with Brenda, moves back in with my mom. She resorts to, to drugs to deal with the 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 stuff that she is forced to do to kind of keep him there, the people that she has to be with. And uh, they move to Missouri. They own a bar and grill. That lifestyle pervades there. And I don't really know what the catalyst was for her, but she decided to move to Utah to be with my sister. She knew that if she moved with me, it was too close. Um, he would come get her. So she moved there and she was able to get a divorce. I think. Oh, so she left him. Yeah, she did. And I, I think. That's surprising. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she I think she says like it was because of her grandkids. Like she wanted to be like a better grandparent for them. She stopped smoking. She stopped doing drugs. She stopped drinking. All at that point, around the time that my son was about two years old, she decided to to like be a, a, a positive like grandparents, uh, grandmother influence in his life. And so I think it was that, uh, he, he ended up going to jail. He was really, really bad into meth. He was dating a 25 year old girl and, 
Uh, she came with like three guys to beat him up. So my dad fired uh, his gun in the air, which is not smart. Um, my dad has raised me around guns all my life. He knows gun safety. Um, he knows that that's not really intelligent. And uh, they get him for like a class C felony. So he does uh, some time there. He ends up losing everything that he had. They kept him. They kept delaying uh, the trial so much that he ends up losing his house. They had a house, a bar an old post office on the property and a couple of acres. He loses all of it. People roughshod through the bar. My grandpa's ashes were there. They spilled them out on the uh, the bar and they had them in lines. I don't know what they did with them, but my mom and I had to go one time to like scoop up grandpa and oh <laughs> put him up. Um, it's pretty, pretty terrible. So <laughs> pretty wild. That's traumatizing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your childhood really doesn't sound that bad. No, no. <laughs> just yeah. What is you today? It's normal, right? Picking <laughs> up my grandfather off the bar. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally normal. Yeah. So where do I stand today? I try. I, I, I try to treat my son with a lot of respect. I try to raise him in a household that is not like my own. We hug daily. I tell him how much I love him. We actually have shouting matches throughout the day. I'll be like, I love you. And he'll come in here, love you. And uh, we'll, we'll try to out shout the other um, in regards to that. And I try to create a life of memories. We never did family vacations when I was little. My dad would take his vacation. My mom would take hers. And then when we became teenagers, she would she started taking my sister and I on vacations with her. So since he was little, I've tried to spend as much time making memories with him. And I think possibly because I don't have a lot of memories, I'm trying to like overcompensate for that fact. Um, So he's been to like 30 states, he's been to four countries and um, are trying to just give him a life that, that I didn't have. Probably part of your healing too. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It's hard to, I think sometimes my mom has a little animosity towards that. Like she'll see me being the mom that I am and she'll criticize it or she'll be like, but I was a good mom too. You're a good mom, but I was a good mom too. (laughs) And so um, I think sometimes it's still um, creating issues with us. Like she thinks that I should rule him with an iron fist and you told him to do with the laundry and he didn't do the laundry. And I, I kind of have the philosophy that I treat him like the people that I work with. If my coworkers don't do their job, I'm going to have a conversation about it. I'm not going to yell and scream at them. And if they don't do their job well, then they will lose their financial benefits, right? They may lose their bonus or their raise. And so if he doesn't do it, he doesn't get as much of his allowance and that'll just keep going on. And so trying to give him more real world experiences, like you don't have to live in fear of your parents. Right. I don't want him to be fearful. Oh, I can't tell my mom this, or I can't go to her and, and tell her this. He's very, very open. And there's never anything that he's had to be afraid of telling me. I got raped when I was 18 and I told my mom and she said, you must have liked it. What? Why would she say that? I kept it a secret from her for about six months. And after sometime during that, that period of time, my, my best friend is still friends with my rapist, but she invited me to a lunch with him. And I went to the lunch and I had to see him face to face and know that he had no power over me. Um, I had to, to know that my life was infinitely better than his. And it was. The whole lunch, he talked about how terrible his life was. And it was like karma for me. <laughs> and so it was beneficial. But my mom was like, you must have liked it. You went to lunch with him. Oh, my God. And like she didn't understand the aspect for me that like helped me heal from it. Um, it, it was how I lost my virginity. Like I was saving myself for marriage, trying to not be so obsessed and, and consumed with sex like my parents were. Um, I was saving myself for marriage and and I lost it at a party. So I'm so sorry. I passed out. <laughs> it's okay. It's funny that she would say you must have liked it when you stayed married to someone who was abusive to you for 30 years. You must have liked it. Right. How would you not make that connection? Right. To like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And your best friend is still friends with him? Yes. To this day? Yeah, to this day. Wow. I, I told her about it when it happened, and I don't feel that she 
understood that for me it was rape. Like I woke up, he threw my underwear at me and said, I think you're going to need these because her mom was screaming. And I'm, I, I was passed out and I wake up and I'm like, what? And I, I'm like naked and he throws me these underwear. And um, and in her mind, we were making out. I had went there to, to make out with him. He was my prom date, you know, like, so she didn't see that, that there wasn't consent. Um, but I had taken seven double shots of vodka. I had ate like one chicken nugget that day. So I went there with the intent to get messed up because I was very, very shy. I was a little mousy kid and I needed some liquid courage to get through meeting people from high school. Right. And, uh, so I did that, but uh, now, like to this day, that's why I don't drink. I don't drink around people that I don't know. I, I mean, I knew him. Right. <laughs> still, it still happened. So, I'm still very, very careful um, when I do, and I don't get belligerently drunk. And I always am like keeping aware of my surroundings. So, um, it's definitely changed that for me. Well, and I think the the social landscape that we grew up in, yeah, was not the post Me Too movement. Right. Even I internalized stuff that happened to me in high school and, and around that time of like, well, I shouldn't have put myself in that situation. And it's like, that's not the answer. The no. answer is people shouldn't rape. Right. Like, that's the answer. Like, you should be able to put yourself in a situation where you don't have to be 100% on your guard every single moment. Right. Because if there weren't rapists, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. But we were not raped mm -hmm. like that. Like, society at that time was like, very victim blamey yes and it's like well you don't shouldn't put yourself there and it's like okay well my not even fully formed brain doesn't understand that you know at right. 15 or whatever mm -hmm. so i get i mean i could see where she would think that at that time yeah and not understand how damaging right it is and how inaccurate it is right absolutely so um, we, we've had a conversation last year about it and finally came clean about our thought, like my thoughts on um, her continuing to be friends with him and how hurtful it was for me then. Um, now, like he, he's not a blip on my radar. There were times, there's a song by Pink, The Long Road to Happy. Mm -hmm. And I used that one every December. I would play that and I would remember like what had happened. And then I would think about how far I've come from that and how he doesn't have any power over me. And my life is infinitely better than anything that he'll ever experience. And he didn't win. Right. For sure. Still very sorry that that happened. Thank you. Thank you so much for going through all of that. I think that that's going to really resonate with some people who listen to it. And I know that it's a lot of emotional labor to go through it and like to talk about it. But I'm so passionate about people getting their stories out, like when they're ready and what and, and avenues that they're comfortable in, because I feel like that's how we change things. Like that's how we make people aware. Someone will hear something that you said or that we say and it like turns a light bulb on of like I never actually thought about that before or in that way right and knowledge is power man you never know what little phrase someone will say or hear that turns that light bulb on and it's like once you start critically thinking about something you can never turn it off you know it sparks that knowledge you know so thank you so much for sharing it it's it's such an important story and we really appreciate you taking the time to do it thank you I I was telling Ella the other day, I don't feel that I have a story. And then I started putting all of this together and kind of writing out some of my thoughts. And sometimes, like even with my rape, it wasn't violent. And so I was passed out. I don't remember it. And so like I often felt like I didn't get to be the victim. It wasn't as bad as what other people have experienced. And my childhood wasn't as bad as my parents. And there wasn't physical violence on behalf of my parents. And I mean, there was verbal abuse, but like everyone says main things, you know? And so- No, they don't. <laughs> Apparently they don't. I've learned this as an adult. I'm like, oh wow, that's not how people talk to each other. Oh, it's not. Wow, okay. <laughs> and and so I, I started to to realize, and as I was starting to to put all of this the story together, bring all these memories up. There's tears, and and there was thinking of how these are things I would never. Put my son through and like how much I have 
broken that cycle yeah that that my parents have have transcended yeah yeah and it it doesn't even dawn on me that that I'm not exposing him to that it's it's not not something that I have to think about not doing it just happens he just has a normal healthy childhood where he is loved and he is valued and he is listened to and um, he's never compared to, to anyone. And when I do tell him that he's smart, I always follow it up. Like if I make a compliment about him being handsome, I always follow it up with another compliment. So he's not just one dimensional. He's got other things to him. Right. Um, because I think our generation was so, you're pigeonholed, you're this. Put in box. Yeah. And when you're not as successful as you expect to be, you feel so bogged down by by society. Oh my gosh, I, I was recruited by Harvard. Why am I, why am I not doing this? Why am I doing this for a career instead? And so it can, it can be a little worrisome. And so I'm trying to make sure that he grows up just knowing, like, just get through life. It's hard enough. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, if I ever hear sons say anything negative about his childhood, I'm gonna try real hard to not like totally discount this feeling but it's gonna be tough <laughs> we've created for that <laughs> it's hard sometimes let me tell you and right <laughs> i'm like okay all right <laughs> you're doing an amazing job i understand that i didn't listen that you wanted that particular brand of sandwich meat and it's ruined your week i i will really work on not doing that in the future <laughs> We, we talk about the reason he's going to be in therapy now is this year we're, we're trying to be intentional with a lot of things that we do. And so we're trying to shop at Aldi and avoid some of the high fructose corn syrup and the dyes and, and, and stuff like that after being in Europe for Christmas. We're like, let's eat healthier. Mm-hmm. And so he loves chocolate fudge Pop-Tarts. And um, I bought him the Aldi brand and he opens up the cabinet. He brings, I'm teaching a class. He comes in, he says, what is this wish brand version of Pop-Tarts? <laughs> And so I joke with him that that's the reason he's going to go to therapy is because I bought him all the Pop-Tarts instead of Randy and Pop-Tarts. Yeah. There seems to be a Pop-Tart in I'm here. This episode brought to you by Pop-Tart. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you have provided him the childhood that he has had. And it shows in who he is. He's very confident and goes after things he wants to do. And he's a wonderful kid. So great job there. Very kind and very good at at finding red flags and biases and confronting people about them. Yeah, it's amazing. I never would have been able to do that as a child. I've been like, no, no, I want them to be my friend. No, neither. No, same. But how are they going to like me if I call them out on their shitty behavior? Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you again so much. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it so much. If you want to support our show further, you can share our podcast with your friends, follow us on our socials at MGCOMPod, or sign up for our Patreon to help keep the show going with a donation. Or you can become a patron for exclusive access to bonus content and interact with us and other loyal listeners on our feed. Meanwhile, if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a positive review. If you didn't, no worries. Move on about your day. If you want to share your story on our show, please visit our website at ngcompod.com to fill out the contact us form. Thanks again for listening.